This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey and hub cities and possibly the most dramatic NHL draft lottery of all time. We've got a lot to get to in today's episode. I thought it might be kind of, you know, uh, in the middle episode, not a ton of news coming out. And then all of a sudden we've had some major stuff come out in the past you know 12 hours or so so i'm so excited to get to that before i do i want to remind everyone that this podcast is presented by favor drinkafavor.com please rate review subscribe whatever you do to podcasts please do to us it helps other people find us uh so that we can keep talking about all these fun topics and i'm excited to talk with dave shane about them my colleague who's back from vacation dave how was your r&r Ooh, my arms are tired from all the fish I caught. I gotta tell you, <laughs> it was a uh, great humble brag. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was good. It was it was good to get out and uh, get away for a little bit, you know. But also nice to uh, jump back in and actually uh, actually have some some stuff to talk about. It seems like for a few weeks we were kind of, you know, not really scraping uh, for things to to discuss, but certainly there's some news uh, news going on right now. So that's exciting. Yeah, you just dove right back into the deep end, essentially. Uh, and let's get to kind of what we're talking about right now. So we heard rumblings, like I said, in the past 12 hours or so, mainly from kind of the godfather of NHL insiders, TSN's Bob McKenzie, as well as his colleague, Frank Cervelli, that Las Vegas might be on the outs when it comes to a hub city. Now, we'll see. We're still waiting for any official word on the NHL hub cities where they're going to stage this 24 team postseason tournament. Uh, but the winds do seem to have shifted since we last talked last week. Then again, those winds do seem to shift every single day, basically. So maybe they'll blow the other way. Uh, but for now, Las Vegas no longer appears to be a front runner for a hub city. It's been a hub city or a hub city front runner basically this entire time for, I think, you know, reasons that people can reasonably come up with on their own in terms of how the city handles big events and how much players like being here. Uh, but now the tune seems to have changed largely because the COVID-19 testing numbers have certainly changed in the last couple weeks here. I mean, just to give people an idea of how much this is a shift, uh, Las Vegas and Vancouver seemed like absolute 
shoe-ins last week to be the two hub cities. Then, like, two days later, Vancouver was out. And then it was going to be potentially Las Vegas and Toronto. And then all of a sudden, Las Vegas is out. And now it really sounds like it's going to be Edmonton and Toronto, which means that it's probably actually going to be Chicago and L.A., which are the other two cities still alive uh, in this conversation uh, it's been a whirlwind, whirlwind couple days, Dave. But uh, as you came back to work, were you surprised to see Las Vegas is no longer at the front of the pack? I mean, I missed kind of the buildup to it. You know, obviously, like when I left, had been hearing, you know, Vegas and Vancouver, like you mentioned. Um, but once I kind of see the numbers and you see what's going on, no, I'm not surprised. And to be quite honest, I mean, Nothing against Las Vegas, but I'm glad they made this this decision. I think it goes to show, you know, why the NHL delayed making any announcement. And we had talked about this for you know, kind of the last month. You know, why they're they're waiting, and and obviously it's because things develop quickly and and things change, and and we've seen that here just in the last few days. So, I mean, without getting too, you know, I guess scientific political you know all, all that other stuff like you just look at the sheer numbers and if it's about safety and if it's about the health and well-being of players and staff and all that if that's the first priority then yeah you should do it in Canada because right now i mean our numbers are disproportionate to just about any country you know like in Europe and in Canada so for that reason alone i i, I think it it just makes more sense to do it in in Canada, Edmonton has a bubble that they've talked about. They can contain everybody. We'll see. I, I think when Toronto redid their bid, it was kind of to use um, Coca-Cola Coliseum. And that part of Toronto is kind of a, a similar bubble area rather than like Scotiabank, which is basically right downtown and things like that. So I think the NHL looks at this and feels like the, the safest, I guess, bubbles, the, the most secure areas right now would be Toronto and Edmonton. Yeah, so the pitch we had heard for Las Vegas all this time was it's going to be the tightest bubble out of all of these. Nothing's getting in, nothing's getting out. But I think what either the NHL or the players or maybe both kind of shifted to was, well, why do we need this ultra-tight bubble in Las Vegas where cases are expanding where we can go to Edmonton and Toronto, and even if there's like a tiny prick in the bubble, it's not going to matter as much because, as you said, the testing numbers are just so drastically different. And so for people that haven't seen the raw numbers or don't pay attention to the raw numbers as much as we do, because obviously tracking this is part of our day-to-day job now, uh, Clark County had 500 and new COVID-19 cases uh, today, Wednesday, as we're recording this. Uh, there's also a report on our website, ReviewJournal.com, that the coronavirus transmission rate in Nevada is the highest in the USA. Uh, by contrast to the fact that there were more than 500 new cases in Nevada today, uh, all of last week, the Edmonton area had about 140 new cases for the whole week, so about 20 new cases a day. I mean, we're just talking about drastically different numbers that are not even in the same ballpark, which is why, like I said, Dave, it makes sense if they are taking the approach now of, hey, why have a really tight bubble to ensure our safety when we can just go somewhere where we don't have to just be absolutely dead on vigilant or else there's a pretty good chance 
that an outbreak is going to happen. And as we've talked about before, and I know uh, if our colleague Adam Hill was on this podcast, he's on vacation, he would definitely say that there's no way that that bubble in Las Vegas, as tight as you want to make it, is going to be secure just because these players are human beings and human beings probably at some point, if you have to stay in a one place for a couple months, will get bored. And one of them's probably going to wander on down to a casino and try their hand at Texas Hold'em. And that could ruin everything for everybody. So that's what I think the rationale is behind, like I said, the current wind shifting. Who knows? Maybe this will all uh, blow over and we'll be back to talk about Las Vegas in a hub city in a couple days. But does that make sense? Texas Hold'em takes down the NHL. Film at 11. <laughs> I, no, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it all, it, it makes total sense what you're talking about. I mean, I, there's, there's just, there's, there's so many layers to this. I mean, there's also the kind of, you know, the, the financial consideration for the NHL. Obviously it's cheaper to hold, you know, an event in Canada when they're footing the bill. I mean, that's just, you know, simple economics and exchange rate and, and things like that. Um, I mean, I think to, to your point, though, with, with Vegas and the bubble is, I, I think it was reported even to an extent that it's not even so much like the players running down and, and, and all that. It's, it's the employees, like the hotel employees and things, and that they go home and they spend you know, however they want to spend the rest of their day. And if they're coming back in and then potentially exposing, you know, players and things like that, I think there was just maybe some concern about maybe how tight that Vegas bubble actually could be. And, and maybe what we've seen in the last few days kind of put some doubt in the NHL's mind as to, you know, how tight would that be if, you know, other people are kind of coming in and, and, the NHL maybe not being able to kind of control, I guess, what what they're being, you know, exposed to away from the bubble. So, I mean, there's so many, like I said, there's so many things for the NHL to consider with all this. And I can't even imagine being like a lawyer or some of the folks that are, you know, having to negotiate all this stuff and go over every little, you know, detail. Because really, I mean, not to be over dramatic, but it's people's lives at stake and, and people's health at stake. So Ultimately, that should be the top priority for the league. And if they're going to do this, they have to make sure that everybody's safe. No, absolutely. And I know there's probably a lot of people that think, hey, these guys are athletes. They're in great physical condition. What's really ultimately the concern for them? Well, some of these guys have underlying medical conditions that maybe are not public that they're worried about. They might have family members that they're worried about i mean obviously we could talk about like with the golden knights shay theodore had cancer this past summer and so obviously i'm not a doctor i don't know exactly his level of risk or if there's even any risk for him but i'm sure that's something that he's had to have conversations about or certainly would have to be in the back of his mind and so you know these guys are you know, putting their health on the line. So it's fair of them to ask to try to be in the most secure, safe location possible. And we should mention that. No, I was just going to say, I mean, we've heard just, you know, players specifically like Max Domi. I think Capocacco was another one that, that are uh, diabetic that we know that that, you know, puts them at, at a higher risk if they contract the virus. So, I mean, my understanding from what I think Bob McKenzie and some other people have reported there's going to be like an opt-out clause, I think, in in all this to where if players 
don't feel safe or if there's concern like you've described then where maybe there's an underlying you know health issue maybe it's asthma you know something as simple as that 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 puts them more at risk so i i think and it's been reported that that potentially the the players have the option to opt out we'll see if any of them do and i think what would be more interesting is i'm curious how they would then be received i would hope everybody would understand and you know, you wouldn't be ostracized, I guess, as a teammate for for not, you know, participating in something like this. But but again, you know, all this is, is going to be put to a vote by the NHLPA. It sounds like, you know, at some point this week, uh, maybe by this weekend, it would be finalized. So we'll, you know, maybe we'll see what the vote is. We'll see how many players, you know, once they're able to, you know, put their name on a ballot or, or maybe not put their name on a ballot, but, you know, put a vote on a ballot, how, how they actually feel about all of this. Yeah, so we should mention this is all probably going to get folded into this one giant return to play agreement for the NHL and the NHL Players Association. Um, I mean, Dave mentioned kind of not wanting to be a lawyer before. I mean, these guys are just working overtime upon overtime to try to get this stuff done because not only do they have to iron out all these health and safety protocols for training camps and games and the bubble life in these two hub cities when they do eventually choose them. They're trying to hammer out a collective bargaining agreement extension at the same time, too, that would basically provide some you know, economic certainty for the players is essentially what they're going for there. So there is just, you know, pages and pages and pages. I can't even imagine how many pages of documents they're going through and revising and tweaking to try to get the league back up on its feet this summer. So we'll see when that comes out. It does seem like we're getting close. Uh, Golden Knights defenseman Braden McNabb was on a Zoom call with local media Monday, and he said basically the vote could come any day now, so we'll see. Uh, McNabb also spoke on some of the issues the two sides are still working through. Uh, Let's give a listen to what he said. That's a tough question. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, you know, I think everyone believes we're going to play. I know as a team, we really want to play. Um, but definitely escrow is a big part of it. Uh, definitely a big part of it. And if we can get somewhere we can agree upon, that'd, that'd be great. But there, there's a lot of little things that, you know, were, that's been discussed and a lot of stuff that, you know, is going to need to a little bit ironing out. But you know, I think for the players, for the most part, the big big things, escrow for sure. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots. Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. So there was Braden McNabb primarily talking about escrow. And so for those listeners that don't know, and I will try not to bore you with this big piece of financial minutiae, that is the mechanism that ensures a 50-50 revenue split between the players and owners. Basically, a portion of each player's paycheck gets withheld every year to make up any difference if the players are basically making too much money so the owners 
can get 50% of the league's overall pot. Uh, Well, because this year has been shortened and there were obviously a lot of regular season games that didn't get played, uh, the owners are going to take a lot of money from the players as things stand right now. Uh, I've heard the figure thrown out at about 35% escrow is what players are potentially looking at. So 35% of their paycheck next year is going straight back to the owners if they don't hammer out any sort of collective bargaining agreement extension. And what they're hoping to do in that CBA extension is they could uh, smooth that escrow out. So maybe do 20% over a couple years instead of 35% one year. And that gives them more time to pay the owners back, which would be, I mean, a big, big relief for the players, especially guys that maybe only have a couple more years left and they don't want to be forking over a majority of their earnings just straight back to the person who's paying them in the first place. Uh, Dave, that was one thing that stood out to me from what Braden McNabb said on the Zoom call. Did any anything else stick out to you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, one of the questions that I had had on my list for him was was kind of touching on the 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 notion that there's so many of the Knights players that are seemingly back here and participating in the phase two skate. You know, we've heard reports up to, you know, 30 players that are, you know, part of this. Now the team hasn't released that many names. I think how, how many have we seen like anywhere from like 10 to 12? I think we're up, up to now, Ben, but I thought it was interesting that he he mentioned how how he thought that would be an advantage for them uh, having all of those guys there and you know maybe developing some chemistry some continuity you know and, and things like that early on and and being able to hit the ground running if and when you know the NHL is is able to to uh, to restart so so that that did kind of jump out to me that even he acknowledged. You know that that they might have an advantage right now that that they have so many guys in town that they have so many guys participating in this and skating and you know not having to go through you know the little issues of of travel and quarantine and and all that that can you know kind of set them back that that did kind of jump out to me yeah Ben yeah McNabb said a number of other things too as Dave mentioned he was the twelfth confirmed member of the team that we know is skating at City National Arena. But that said, uh, both McNabb and then Chandler Stevenson earlier on the team's award show have said basically most guys are in town, that the majority of the team is participating uh, in these workouts. So, you know, McNabb said that escrow is the issue. Obviously, he wants to return to play. As he said, he's working out with his teammates at City National Arena. He said that he believes the majority of the Knights, if not all the Knights, want to return to play and that he hasn't heard of anyone that, you know, has joined kind of the chorus of guys that Dave previously mentioned as guys that are either scared or just straight up don't want to return to play. Uh, But obviously the Knights don't speak for everyone. And soon, as we mentioned earlier, the NHLPA is going to vote on whether they're going to approve all of these various aspects of returning to play. It's basically a simple majority is going to take the day if the majority of NHL players, more than 50%, want to approve all of these different items, then there's going to be hockey later this summer. If more than 50% don't, then we're, we're not going to see the puck drop. And it's getting really interesting because there was a thread uh, from Sportsnet on Twitter 
uh, the other day, basically saying there are definitely an undercurrent of players that are scared and maybe don't want to come back. So, I mean, do you have a good sense on, you know, how this is going to play out, Dave? Have you been able to, I guess, read the tea leaves at all as to how you think the vote's going to ultimately come down? I mean, I would think they would they would come back. I mean, I don't think you go through the process and, and everything that they've gone through, you know, to get this far along without, you know, kind of having an idea that, you know, the majority of your, of your union, your membership, you know, wants to play. So I would expect them to vote in favor of it, but I would also expect to, you know, have some dissenting voices in all this and, and people that, you know, want to voice their concerns. We've heard, you know, some things that, that, you know, players on different teams have spoken up, um, maybe not as, I guess, publicly as some of the other sports. Um, they all seem to have, you know, guys who are much more willing to, you know, publicly say, I'm not going to be a part of this. I don't think we've heard anything, you know, from the, from an NHL player on, along those lines. Now, I don't know if that's them, you know, doing a better job of, of buttoning the lips, I guess, and, and not letting it out. And whether there is a large number of players that do feel that way, I guess we'll see. Um, but I would, I would expect them, you know, at this point, you know, with everything that they've done, with all the work they've done on, you know, a CBA extension and, and all the other things that, that seem to be all kind of wrapped up in this, unless uh, – the only thing that I would say is unless there is a major change in, you know, the, the pandemic and across the world, you know, whether that be in Canada here or anything like that, if there's something like that to change it, then I could see. But other than that, you know, I would expect it to go forward. And just because we haven't talked about this, I want to throw one little thing in there um, because we've talked about this a lot. It's a little bit unrelated, but it sounds like that part of the CBA um, and what's being negotiated will exclude Jack Dugan from being eligible to participate in the return to play tournament if the Golden Knights had, you know, chosen, I guess, to do that. It it seems it sounds like there's some it's not clear on whether he can sign the contract and burn the first year, but wouldn't be able to play or or what that that hasn't been established. I think that's all part of the vote. But from what we're hearing, it doesn't sound like Jack Dugan would be would be available. So I did want to just kind of throw that in there real quick. No, yeah, thanks for doing that. There are obviously a million tentacles that are being negotiated right now, and it's hard to keep track of all of them. So we'll keep you guys updated when we have you know official, official news to talk about. Like I said, this is all still being worked out, so things can change minute by minute, day by day. There are a million people in the NHL and NHLPA offices, or I guess maybe not in their offices, at home uh, going through this. Uh, every day. So we'll see what they ultimately come up with and how soon they're able to uh, present something. Uh, Meanwhile, we'll switch gears a little bit to something that's not kind of the constant drumbeat of return to play news, which is Lifeguard Arena. Uh, Media got to go on socially distanced tours of the Henderson Silver Knights future home last Friday, uh, which was interesting. I was there representing the RJ. Uh, For those of you who have been to City National Arena, it is going to be very 
very similar. The contractor is actually the same for uh, both buildings. And as the uh, my tour guide told me, a rink is a rink. So it's uh, going to be a little bit smaller, but there will be some wider hallways, I believe. And this uh, one cool change, this Mackenzie River Pizza will have a balcony that overlooks Water Street. So they're mixing up the restaurant a little bit. Uh, other than that, there's going to be some differences in the locker room. But for the average kind of public person that wants to come in and watch the Henderson Silver Knights practice or is going to watch, you know, their children or a family member participate in some sort of skate there don't expect a ton of differences uh it is 80 percent done right now is what i was told and it should be opening its doors to the public hopefully by early october if things keep on going the way they're going they had to of course obviously adjust the cost a little bit because of the pandemic but they are still on schedule so uh overall dave that's pretty solid news for the silver knights right yeah of course uh so like before i went on vacation um, I'll give a plug. I was over at the uh, Purple Penguin, uh, not too far from Lifeguard Arena, and I was enjoying my uh, my dessert and kind of checking out the uh, the spot from a, from a little bit of a distance. I didn't walk up and uh, and peek at it up close. It was, I think, a day or two before you were uh, actually scheduled to go on the tour, um, if I remember right. But regardless, yeah, I mean, I think it's progress. I think it's just. Uh, you know, at this point, you know, it's just more like when's the, when's the, NH- or the AHL season going to start? Like they're doing everything, you know, everything the Knights are doing, you know, going forward and, and all that. I mean, it's kind of cool to watch them basically have to start, you know, a second franchise almost from scratch. Um, but yeah, I mean, all this, all this represents progress. All this represents, you know, just kind of another reminder, I guess, that, that Vegas is, is becoming a hockey town, I guess, if nothing else, right? Yeah, no, and it's very exciting. It was obviously cool for me, that even though the rinks haven't been, you know, poured yet, the ice is not there, to just think about the possibility of two extra ice sheets coming to Las Vegas. It's It was definitely exciting, and so we'll keep you guys updated as things progress there. But then I want to tackle one more, to me, very, very exciting topic this week. Uh, this does not affect the Knights directly, but we need to talk about what happened at the <laughs> NHL draft yeah. lottery, Dave. Uh, so reminder for those of you who don't know the setup this year or just didn't bother to learn the setup because the Knights were obviously not in the draft lottery this year. Uh, the seven teams that were not invited to the Hub Cities, the bottom seven teams in the NHL, were in the lottery as per usual. But then there were... Uh, eight placeholder teams that represented the eight eventual losers of the playing round. And I say eventual because obviously those games have yet to be played. So we had basically, I think it would be team A through team G were also in the lottery. And at some point in the near uh, distant future, there will be a lottery 2.0 where everyone will have a 12.5% chance, one eighth to determine, you know, which team they are basically. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, one of those teams won the draft lottery with a general rate, generational talent up for grabs. Winger Alex Lafreniere, uh, long live Team E, Dave. They just <laughs> lucked into a potential superstar winger. What do you make of basically the most hilarious outcome possible for the NHL coming to pass here? This, this, so this is like one of the things that I saw when I was on vacation and I just laughed like they just serves them right like this whole thing was just a ridiculous 
stunt right from the start. The whole thing was about the NHL having to have something in June. They needed some kind of event, something for TV content or whatever. And so they came up with this bizarre concoction of a draft lottery, which might have two phases and ends up having two. Like, serves them right. You know, like at this point, I'm almost hoping that Pittsburgh ends up losing and, and they get it. Or who else is in there? Um, like Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton. Could Edmonton. Be- that would just be so perfect, wouldn't it? Like after all of the the whatever that 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 it works out like that. Like, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's it's to me, it's sad in in some way. Like if is all joking aside. If you're going to do this in theory, the worst team should have the best shot at the best player. And it should be about parity and and all of that. And so for all this to work out and to have teams like, you know, Pittsburgh or, or whomever that are clear playoff teams that now have a shot at this, it is, it's, I mean, it's ludicrous to me. What's even more funny, I guess, or, or whatever is if the season doesn't happen, well, now a team like Pittsburgh, which had a chance to get the number one pick, now they're out because they were, quote, a playoff team. So then it becomes teams like Winnipeg and the ones that were like, you know, on the fringe or whatever that all of a sudden are looking at this going like, well, all right, cool. We're in here, you know, it's just a mess. Like, it's just so typical of the NHL, you know? It's just it's just so insane. So uh, for people that didn't watch uh, the Detroit Red Wings, who were by far the worst team in hockey this year uh, got the fourth overall pick, which I believe was actually their most likely outcome because that's just how the lottery is set up. Then the third overall pick went to the Ottawa Senators. The second overall pick went to the Los Angeles Kings, which, by the way, the Knights should at least be a little concerned there because the Kings are building a heck of a farm system. They already have probably the number one prospect pool in the NHL, and now they're likely going to add a, a stud center named Quentin Byfield to that. And then the uh, great, great franchise Team E was given the number one overall pick. You know, I should mention just mathematically, all of these placeholder teams, Team A through G, collectively had the best odds at the number one overall pick. So the most likely outcome, even though I still think it was only like 25%, was that one of those, you know, NHL logos was going to win the number one overall pick. But as you said, Dave, it is just, just hilarious that now theoretically the Penguins could lose in five games to the Montreal Canadiens and have a one and eight shot of adding what's supposed to be a just tremendous forward. Uh, I will say though, I am so so hyped for lottery 2.0 if and when it happens when they have to decide which of these you know eight uh placeholder teams will end up getting the number one overall pick i'm just imagining that they're gonna do it just lottery ball style where just one by one they spit out all the losers and gary bettman just like you know plays the lotto girl on tv and he turns over the ping pong balls and says who's not getting uh Alexei Lafreniere, I, I think that could be tremendous, tremendous television. <laughs> and it's probably ultimately good for Lafreniere, too, because he's not going to go to a team that's going to take a while to compete. It's a, now a very strong possibility that he's going to go to a relatively well-run franchise. So maybe that's a positive for him. But 
it's it's just a mess honestly it's just a mess and it's great i tried to explain it to one of my friends over the weekend who covers the uh, minnesota twins back home in minnesota and she had no idea what the nhl was doing (laughs) so and i can't blame her so here's my question to you though is i do think it presents an interesting dilemma if you're a fan if say you're a fan of like the wild if you're a fan of you know i don't know let's say like like winnipeg well, maybe not Winnipeg because I think they have a better shot because of Hellebuck. Um, but if, if you're a fan of one of these teams that is playing in this qualifying round, are you like rooting against your team because you want the chance at Lafreniere? Or do you, you know, obviously root for your team because you want them to to try to win the cup? I think it sets up a – it's an interesting fandom dilemma, I guess, in a way. See, I think it sets up a no-lose situation because, like, I can just imagine, you know, if you're the Wild, let's say, and you just get steamrolled by the Canucks in your play-in round. Like, you get swept. You, like, lose, like, 9 nothing collectively on goal differential. You can still basically turn to yourself and be like, all right, well, that was awful. But, hey, it might not be totally <laughs> awful. Right, right. You can you can kind of talk yourself back into it being an okay thing. So I think it's it's like a safety net for all of these NHL teams where if they end up coming back like five months after the season got shut down and they fall flat on their face, their fans won't even be that mad. So I think I think it's going to work out well for, for all these teams. I mean, I do think if you're like Edmonton or Pittsburgh, it's probably a little different, though. You know, because you feel like you have a legit chance at the Stanley Cup. Um, I mean, I, I saw somewhere or I heard somebody talking about like, you know, Pittsburgh should just be the scariest team right now because a healthy Sidney Crosby, you know, just that should scare scare the bejesus out of out of everybody. But yeah, I mean, I think it, like if you're a Pittsburgh fan, that's an interesting call. Like, do you want to lose if you're Pittsburgh and try to get Lafreniere? Because I think it's different maybe if you're if you're them. As opposed to, and no offense to the Wild, but you know maybe a team like the Wild or like especially like, like okay the Blackhawks. That's that's probably a better example, or even like Montreal. I mean Montreal is the one that I think everybody's kind of dreaming of. You know the a French Canadian star in Montreal, like that would be. <laughs> I mean for ratings, I guess that would be that would make for an interesting lottery two point if if that was what got pulled, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think if Chicago wins the lottery, just the rest of the NHL will just melt down. That is, I think, a doomsday conspiracy scenario for everyone else. But we'll see. Like I said, as weird and nuts as I think this whole concept is, I will 100% be watching whenever they have the second lottery to determine who gets the number one overall pick. I am a sucker for drama, and this is going to be... You know, to borrow a phrase from one of my favorite television programs, The Bachelor, the most dramatic lottery potentially of all time. So I will give you that credit, NHL. You have you have hooked me. (laughs) Well, I think it helps that they have a superstar, you know, that it's not like a debate on who could go number one, you know, that it's a clear guy that everybody's kind of, you know, waiting to see if they can get him. I, I do think that helps. That makes it more interesting for sure. No, totally. I totally agree. Well, we'll keep you guys posted on what we know about Lottery 2.0. And of course, we'll keep you guys posted on what we continue hearing about NHL return to play stuff. Maybe there'll be news breaking in the next couple days. If so, we'll probably try to get you guys a special edition of the podcast out there if we've got 
hard, hard news to tell you. If not, we'll try to keep you guys updated next week as we usually do here on the Golden Edge podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Favor, drinkafavor.com, for presenting this podcast. Uh, as a reminder, please subscribe, uh, rate, review, whatever you do to podcasts. Please do to us. It helps people find us. And please check out all our work at reviewjournal.com. For Dave Shane, I'm Ben Goats, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.